of the praises of your people. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we've come together today, God, to worship you. We exalt the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You are awesome, Lord. You are mighty and worthy. Hallelujah. And there's nothing you can do, Lord. You have all power and all authority. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. I keep being reminded of that scripture where the Lord said if he would be lifted up, he would draw all men nigh. Hallelujah. There's something about lifting up the Lord in song and, and in praise and in shout and in faithfulness to the house of God. You know, you exalt the Lord by being faithful to the house of God. You uh, worship the Lord by living a lifestyle of holiness, separation from the world and unto biblical principles. And God is exalted through all of that. Hallelujah. And the Bible said if he would be lifted up, he would draw all men nigh. Amen. That's a biblical principle. It doesn't matter if it's in a hostile environment or in a nation that doesn't fear God. It's a biblical principle. If people will lift him up, He's going to draw nigh into him. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you. I know you're standing, so let me uh, quickly get to our text. Uh, John chapter 2, verse 7. While you're turning to John chapter 2, uh, let me uh, just say a couple of things. First of all, this, the community service tonight uh, was a, an idea that Bob Llewellyn uh, had a man who's been very instrumental in our, our Christian community and uh, helped us to win that victory at uh, the City Hall in Palm Bay um, when they were trying to pass that human rights ordinance. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And, um, and you know, I was really, really proud of the Christian community in uh, South Brevard because pastors turned down and churches turned down and it just really... Um, I think surprised people and our goal in all of that was to um, not only stand for righteousness but to attempt to uh, show love to all of our brothers and sisters and certainly everyone that is created is created in the image of God and has value every single person and uh, so uh, Bob Llewellyn who uh, used to run an um, organization here in the area before he moved away he's since moved back, but he used to run a group called Love Inc. Um, I love Inc. Love Inc. Uh, love in in the name of Christ, and uh, it really was an organization to, to bring churches together. He did an awesome job bringing pastors together. And when it would appear that this ordinance was going to um, be kind of pushed through under the radar, he sort of you know let other people know. Uh, and um, Councilman um, Harry Santiago Jr. Uh, was also a big friend of the Christian community. He's going to also be here tonight and be speaking. But um, these individuals really rallied the Christian community. And so we, we came together and we, we had a couple of meetings and we said, you know what, regardless of how this goes down, let's use this as an opportunity to be more unified uh, in South Brevard. We certainly have enough obstacles out there. And for people that are God-fearing, we can find common ground and we can come together and we can worship God. And so we thought this would be a neat opportunity since this is Valentine's Day. 
uh, in this evening service. We're, we're calling this a celebration of love, uh, community service. And so different people will be uh, speaking and uh, Bob Llewellyn will be emceeing it. And we want to be able to just come together as a Christian community and to exalt the name of God. So we ask that all of you would come and would uh, support this tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I told a group of uh, pastors that I met with uh, a couple of weeks ago over here at uh, Centerpoint. I said, you know, it's like the story of Joseph. You know, he told his brothers, you may have meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And I believe that when the enemy overreaches, God turns it around and uses it for good. And if something like this can galvanize the Christian community, amen, and bring us together, it's a biblical principle that we're stronger, unified together. The Bible says one can put to flight a thousand, two can put to flight ten thousand. So anyways, that's what all this is about tonight. So uh, everybody looks awesome tonight, or today in red. Look around, look at everybody does I mean, I know they're selling flowers over the science school department, but everybody looks like a bouquet of flowers right here. So, and uh, we'll wear that tonight, you know, if you want to, and, and let's just come together. And it won't be a real long service, but it'll start at 6 p.m. And we want all of you to come. Now, one other thing, and then we're going to read our text, and that is that next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday, we are opening our new cafe. Yes, it's going to be something now. We're going to have all kind of things back there, and you can... You can come back there before service, after service, and uh, we're going to have all kind of delicious things, and you'll be able to um, um, get involved in that, and you can eat and fellowship and connect. We're calling it our Connections Cafe. You're going to really enjoy that, and it will be open starting next Sunday. They've already uh, built a new uh, countertop in there, and it's got a really a nice welcome uh, center. And, uh, and In fact, you can go by there today after service if you want to and just check it out. And uh, it's just uh, a lot of improvements. We're going to be putting a lot more uh, big screens in there and a lot of things that's going to make it really comfortable for us to just fellowship together before service, after service, and uh, to be able to connect in the cafe. But it will be up and running next Sunday morning. So when we come together for that revival uh, weekend with Brother Mike Easter, uh, plan on coming a little bit early and stopping by the Connections Cafe or come by afterwards and uh, get some specialty coffees and and uh, muffins and danishes and sandwiches. They're going to have all kinds of things. So that'll be coming up next Sunday morning. John chapter 2 and verse 7. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. In other words, present it to him. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, that was made wine and knew not whence it was but the servants which drew the water knew the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine and when men have well drunk then that which is worse in other words, they, they serve the good stuff first, and when everybody gets half tipsy, they don't know about the bad stuff, they bring that out later. That's what, what it's saying. Just telling you what the Bible says, all right? <laughs> then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. <laughs> Said that this is different than what's normal protocol. Usually the good stuff comes out first, then as the party goes along, you know, they start watering it down or whatever, and it comes out, you know, it's not very good toward the end. Well, he said, this is different because you have saved 
the best for last. Now, of course, the governor of the feast thought this was just some sort of a tactic that the bridegroom had put in place. But actually, it was because it had gone through the hands of Jesus. How many of you know Jesus makes everything better? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments on the subject, the best for last. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's got the best for last. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Amen. God bless all of you for being in the house of the Lord. I want to, I want to thank all of you that participated uh, in this recent project where we went down to the Amazon and uh, we uh, put a uh, new roof on that central church there in Manaus. If you're not familiar with the story of the work in the Amazon, there's actually a book in our bookstore called uh, Full Throttle, which is a best-seller, best-selling book for Pentecostal Publishing House. It's a, um, it's a story of, of the DeMerchants, Benny and Teresa DeMerchant, who have been missionaries in the Amazon for over 50 years. They originally showed up there as just young people with a little six-month-old baby didn't speak Portuguese, didn't know the language, and uh, they uh, just dug in and, and had a lot of obstacles and a lot of trials that they just kept uh, working for the Lord. They lost their 15-year-old son to bone cancer. Uh, they had plane crashes where they lost missionaries. And, I mean, it was all, it, it, the book is an amazing book. You could make a movie out of it easily. And uh, so they just stayed there and just kept working, kept working. And now, over 50 years later, they have a constituency of over 100,000 people that go to church every week. It's an amazing, it's an amazing work. And they have over 1,000 churches all up and down. Some of you have been on trips down there with me, and we've been in canoes and rowed down the Amazon with paddles at dark with flashlights, only to go to a little stick church where there's no electricity and install a couple in there as pastor and, and then row back in our canoes back you know to a little floating camp I mean it's 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 really the final frontier there's really no other way to say it and brother Demerchant is a man who's flown many many hours uh, in little planes float planes up and down the Amazon he's been in Sports Illustrated Field and Stream Private Pilot magazine it's, it's just the, the story is an amazing story and of course I won't go into all the details but it's not very often that Brother DeMerchant will call me and say, we really have a need. We have um, something that we need your help with. But he did that um, in November of last year and um, said, you know, this church needs a new roof. We're getting ready to go into the rainy season and uh, furniture will be destroyed if we can't get this roof on. So I presented it to you, I think the first week in December, and uh, we raised $7,500 and we sent that to them. And then we had uh, 14 men uh, that uh, paid their own way, took off a week of work, and and made their way down to the Amazon, not knowing what they were getting into. <laughs> and I just want to thank all of you that gave, and I want to thank uh, all of the men that went, because we had such a great group. We had, I think, one of our best groups we've ever had, and there was so much harmony and so much uh, unity with our team, and um, we had a lot of challenges but we had some incredible victories. You know, it's an amazing thing how you always have your victories in proportion to your challenges. Have you ever noticed that? The greater the challenge, the greater the victory. So if you're going through a bunch of stuff right now, 
I've got good news for you. God's just setting you up for a big victory. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. So uh, we, we had a, a um, going, home-going service for um, uh, our good brother Jimmy Camel on previous Saturday, a week ago Saturday. And uh, from that service, uh, we went to the airport, and um, we all flew uh, down to um, Manaus, and we had to go past it to Brasilia, back to Manaus, layovers in Miami, and all kinds of rigmarole, you know how that goes, and flying and traveling and all that. But when we finally got there on Sunday afternoon, they said, uh, we've got you scheduled to preach Sunday night. So our team, God bless them, they've been flying for 24 hours. We said, okay, we went to the room and got a shower and changed clothes and went and had church Sunday night. Boy, we had a great time too. Amen. We had a great time and all the men uh, got together and sang. Yeah, they all sang. And I was so glad because then I was like, that group can all be in the choir. You don't have to be on the mission field to sing. And then Monday we started to work, and boy, we went to that church, and we saw they had all these old trusses, and all of them had to be taken down. The guys that were trying to do it were overwhelmed, the, the Brazilians that were there, the, just the men in the church. So we just dug in there, and we started working with them, and we, they didn't have tools, and brothers and merchants, both their planes weren't working. I mean, it was just like one thing after another. But you know what? We just dug in there, and we just kept working, and things just started falling into place. And, uh, and in the middle of it all, we found this out, like the day before we were traveling down there, that we were arriving right smack dab in the middle of the carnival celebration. Which I don't know if y'all are aware of this, but there's a whole bunch of debauchery that goes on during this carnival thing. And, and, and on top of it all, it's a big uh, holiday and everything is shut down. So we couldn't get tools, couldn't get tools. Anyhow, to make a long story short, every single obstacle God helped us to overcome it. And we had a great time. We got that roof put on. and There's still a little bit that they're finishing up. And then we had services on uh, Sunday night. And then we had services on uh, Thursday night. And then on Friday night, they wanted us to speak to the Bible school. They had 350 students came together in a Bible school. And it was, it was an amazing thing. It ended with about a 45-minute prayer meeting. And these, these young people were praying with so much intensity and there was such a, a feeling of expectancy that as great as the revival has been in Brazil the best is yet to come and I looked out there and they they've had over they, they they have their young people they go through two years of Bible school they go Monday Wednesday and Friday three nights now they work all day long and they go Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for three hours a night. And they do that for two years. And uh, they've had 10,000 uh, people go through that. And I think they have actually had 3,000 people in, in Bible schools now throughout there. And so when we saw their commitment, their intensity, and then the, the way that that whole service developed on Friday night, uh, it, it was just mind-blowing. And we saw how there, there was this, this feeling of, we're not just satisfied with what God has done. Because you can easily get to that point where you just say, well, God has really blessed this work. It's one of the largest works of any country in the world. And we could just rest, you know, and uh, be happy. But there's such a hunger and an intensity to say the best is yet to come. And so from that, um, I got this message I wanted to share with you. And, and on Saturday, we went to the airport at around noon, or no, about 9.30, we were ready to go. 
Another group was coming in. The planes all started working. They all went out fishing, slept in hammocks, and, and uh, fought, you know, the, the howling monkeys and the bats and all that. And everybody survived. And, and we were to the airport on Saturday. We were ready to go back. We waited all day long, and they ended up canceling the flight. And so we're like, how are we going to get home? How are we going to get home? And then, you know, it's amazing how when things start to happen, it's like one thing after another. You know, the old saying, when it rains, it pours. And uh, so somewhere around 7, 8 o'clock last night, they said, uh, we canceled the flight. Uh, TAM, the Brazilian airline, they said, we canceled the flight. We're not going to be going at all. So they had to put us on different flights and whatnot. And so they ended up putting us on an American Airlines flight like at around midnight. Uh, last night and we flew to uh, Miami and we got into Miami around five o'clock this morning and we went through customs and all of that and we got through all that and then we flew to Orlando we arrived at Orlando and in Orlando brother George Weaver picked us up in the shuttle bus and we got here at 9 30 so I have not slept all night I may preach all day <laughs> I'm just running on adrenaline right now <laughs> sorry to drag you through all of that but uh Brother Tyler, I think, has even prepared a little video. I'm telling you, we got a top-notch team, boy. They've prepared a little video to show you a little bit about the trip. That's their convention center. They put 10,000 people in there.
awesome. Thank you, Brother Tyler. Amen. If you've never been on a missions trip, it's a life-changing experience. And uh, some of the guys sold four-wheelers so they could have the money to go and do it. And they said it far exceeded our expectations. And uh, if you ever get a chance to go on a missions trip, it will definitely change your life. But I want to talk to you for just a moment uh, on this subject, the best for last. I feel like this is what God is wanting us to do. You know, if you look around the world that you and I live in, it's easy to get discouraged if you're a Christian. You feel like, you know, everything's getting worse, and the world's getting worse, and everything's going downhill. But I don't feel that in my spirit. Now, the culture may do that, but God's not going downhill. And Christianity is not phasing out. The best is going to be at the end. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. I said the best is going to be at the end. And when you read this story in John chapter 2 and you see where the Lord, and I think there was a principle to all of this because he went to this wedding. Um, he had not done any miracles yet at this point. The Bible even says that in John 2. This was the first of his miracles. And when they ran out of wine, then they, the mother of Jesus, Mary, she went to Jesus and said, you know, they're out of wine. And, you know, the Lord's like, you know, what do you want me to do about it? I mean, he didn't actually say that, but... He said, what have I to do with thee, woman? That's pretty much the same thing, you know. It's not time for me to start the whole miracle stuff yet, so chill out. That's just my interpretation of that. But I think that there was, there was a principle in it, and of course, this is the thing about God, too. He always responds to a need. Where there's a need, God responds to it. And so they had a need, and his mother had requested this, so he said, okay, go and tell them to fill the pots with water. And what I love about this in John 2, when you read this, is that they filled the pots, the Bible says, up to the brim. I'm going to tell you something. When you decide that you're going to give God all of your heart, you need to fill up the pot to the brim. You don't want to just serve God halfway. If God's going to do something in your life, it ought to be up to the brim. It ought to be you being sold out, giving everything you've got to God. Because there's no joy in serving God by just sort of doing it halfway in and halfway out. you got to make up in your mind, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I want to be filled up to the brim with your power and your glory. And so when they went through all this and the governor of the feast said, you've saved the, the best for last. This was, you know, obviously somewhat unusual. But I think that this is a principle about how the Lord works. I mean, as I started going through the Bible and looking at all these different examples, I want to give a, a few of them to you because I found that there's a principle, and you know I'm big on principles. I think if you can really understand biblical principles, you can understand the nature of God, you can understand the Word of God, you can understand how God is working in your life. But you have to understand principles. Now, you can apply those principles in a lot of different ways, but if you understand biblical principles and you live by those principles, you're going to get the right result. I said, you're going to get the right result. And so here's a few examples. In Job chapter 42 and verse 12, it says, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. Now, you remember who Job is. Job is a guy who's got a lot of money. He's got a big family. He's got prestige. He's got, you know, everybody in the community loves him and knows him. And then, because of something he's not even aware of, some sort of a something going on in the sky with the... Uh, 
the devil and God and you have you considered my servant Job and yeah but he doesn't really serve you because he loves you because what you do for him and blah 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 there's this contest and Job becomes the focal point and so everything starts going wrong in Job's life and at first the Lord said we well, can't touch his body but you can take all his stuff so he lost all his stuff and then he said well it's because you wouldn't let me touch the body no. and so he even God trusts Job so much he even lets the enemy attack his body have you ever felt like sometimes you wish God didn't trust you so much <laughs> say Lord I appreciate you trusting me that I can handle all this but you you got way too much confidence in me <laughs> But what does the Bible say? He will not put more on you than you are able to bear. But with every temptation, he'll make a way of escape. And so, you know, his wife wanted to know what in the world's going on, and friends are coming by and, and so forth and saying, did you commit some sin, Job? And Job is sitting there, and he's in an ash heap, and he's got an old shell, and he's scraping the boils off his body. He's lost everything. He doesn't know where to go, where to turn. All he can do is rest on principles. And this is what he said. Though the Lord slay me, yet will I trust him. Naked came I into this world, naked shall I return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I go forward, I can't find God. I look behind me, he's not there. I've looked on my right hand, he's not there. He hideth himself on my left. But he knows the way that I take. And when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you've got to just dig in and say, I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I know God's going to see me through. Oh, hallelujah. And get a confidence in that. And so he just had to hang in there. But here's what I love about God. Whenever he completed this trial, God doesn't just bring him back up to the level he was at before. Oh, hallelujah. This, I hope I can communicate this to you. It doesn't matter what you've gone through, ladies and gentlemen. If you'll stay, stay faithful to God, the latter will be greater than the former. Now, that's not a principle that you'll hear in this world. People say, well, you're going to have to just always live with it. Well, you may just always be an alcoholic. Well, you're just always going to be tempted with that. You're always going to have the emotional scars of that. Let me tell you something. I believe God can not only heal, not only deliver, but he can make it better than it ever was before. Hallelujah. God can give you so much more. The latter will be greater than the former. It's not just getting back to normal. It's not just getting back to where you were before. It's not just a full recovery. But God gives you blessings that are pressed down and shaken together and running over. Because he saves the best for last. So many times we live in a condemnation because there was a time when we were serving God. And we were committed but we made mistakes and we stumbled and we got involved in stuff we shouldn't got involved in and took this and took that and got addicted and whatnot and and so we deal with all the condemnation of that and we think I, I don't I don't deserve to be blessed I don't deserve for God to love me and we have that cloud and it hangs over our head I've come today to give you a word that I believe is from the Lord that God wants to encourage you today and tell you that you don't have to live your life under the stigma of a mistake. He's going to save the best for last. Because if you just put your life in his hand, just like this water, it just had to be in his hand. 
And they said, this is the best stuff. No, they thought they had the best stuff at the beginning, but the stuff at the beginning was not in the hands of Jesus. And they just gave him water. They didn't even give him much to work with. But because he had his hands in it, it was better than anything that they had on their own. I've come to tell you that you're going to get more than you ever bargained for if you put everything in the hands of the master. Oh, he'll bless you more. He'll give you more. He'll say his spirit will be upon you. Your marriage, your family, your kids, everything will be better than it was before if you just put it in the master's hand. And this is what Job 42 says, and the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels. This is how they measured wealth back then. And have IRAs or whatever. This is camels and sheep. 14,000 sheep. I mean, he became like, you know, the Donald Trump of the, of the desert. 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of ox. God said, I'm going to just show you how great I am. You know what happens, though? Most times, people... They fall out going through the trial. And they never hang in there long enough to see that God has saved the best for last. Ruth chapter 3 and verse 10. And he said, referring to Boaz, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter. <laughs> uh, I'll explain to you why I think that's funny in just a moment. For thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning inasmuch as thou followest not young men whether poor or rich now one of the things Boaz was really impressed with with Ruth early on was this great spirit that she had she was very kind he saw and he told saw her in the fields and of course she was trying to glean for getting some of the wheat and whatnot to help her and her mother-in-law Naomi they had lost you know their their husbands due to sickness and plague. And so they had gone from Moab back uh, to the homeland. And of course, Boaz was this wealthy man who had many fields and grain and all that. And he saw, he was real impressed with her spirit. When it came to the point where Boaz and Ruth were going to be married, he says this that I've never really seen before. He said, thou hast shown more kindness in the latter than you did at the beginning. In other words, you've proven yourself. The longer I know you, the more I like you. Because you could have gone after one of these young men. Because you're a young lady. I told you I like this verse for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> if you're a visitor, it's an inside joke. My wife is 16 years younger than me, just so you know it. And he said, you could have gone after some old young, long-legged whippersnapper. Rich or poor. But you didn't. You didn't take the bait of instant gratification. You showed even more kindness. Come on now, I'm going to fix it to preach to somebody. Because you didn't take the first thing that came along. Good God Almighty. I feel like teaching a single seminar right now. 
God's got the best for last, but you've got to give it some time. You say, oh, I want it right now. i got to have it right now. I want it right now. I don't care. This is it. This i got to have it. Oh, if you just wait a little bit, God will give you something. It'll blow your mind. He's got the best for last. you got to just walk with God. you got to just put him first and say, God, I'm in this for you. And whenever it's your time, when it's your time, Lord. And this is what Boaz was saying. And you know Ruth was a whole bunch younger than him because he called her my daughter. <laughs> and God thought so much of this marriage, Bishop, that David was born from that lineage. And Jesus was born from that lineage. Good God, I didn't realize how spiritual I was being when I asked Amy to be my wife. See what happens when your pastor only gets one hour of sleep? We all, I think we all understand that delayed gratification is always sweetest. But what we should add to the mix is that God saves the best for last. See, in our minds, we're always in a hurry because... We in our humanity know that we have a shelf life. We know we've only got this amount of time and this amount of time. And so we're just always coming. And, and you know what? you got to back away from it. Say, God, you know me. You created me. You know when I'm ready for a relationship. You know when the timing is right. I'm going to trust you, Lord. If I can trust you with my soul, I can trust you with my social life. Come on, somebody. I'm going to let God work it out. I'm not going to chase somebody that hasn't sold out to God. I'm going to wait until God says, this is who I have for you. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Israel thought they'd never recover. They'd never be a great nation again. He said, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. Deuteronomy 32, 28. For they are a nation void of counsel. Boy, these verses right here seem like they're really appropriate for the 21st century. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 32, 28. For they are a nation void of counsel. Neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. If we could consider, even as a nation, that our greatest days are not behind us. They can be in front of us, but only if we go back to biblical principles and do our governing based on the laws of God and not the popularity of man. I believe these principles are true. It doesn't matter if you're a nation or a family or a church or a denomination or a single individual. If you can make up in your mind, my best days are not behind me. My best days are ahead of me because I'm going to walk with God and God saves the best for last. Devil, don't triumph over me, David said. When I stumble, I shall arise again. Hallelujah. I'm not done yet. God's not done yet. It's not over yet. God's got something greater. 
God's got something better. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter how bad the world gets. God gets better. He's saving the best stuff for the last. He's saving his biggest revival for the last days. I was sad yesterday when I received word in Brazil right shortly after we found out our flight had been canceled. Um, I got a, a call from a friend of mine years ago. He said, did you hear that Supreme Court Justice Anthony Scalia passed away? I said, I didn't even know he was sick. They said, yeah, he died on a ranch or something down there. I'm like, he's not even very old, is he? Come to find out he was 79 years old. He was a Supreme Court Justice since the 1980s. He was a conservative justice on the Supreme Court, on a court that continues to move further and further to the left and embrace decisions that are far from biblical principles and moral values. But the thing about Scalia that was so interesting, I studied under Scalia in 1998 uh, in Dublin, Ireland. When I was in law school, I had a whole summer that I spent with him, and he was such a personal individual, had a strong Christian core, and was very personal. We went out to eat together, we talked together, he was, he's a Sicilian Italian, I'm half Sicilian Italian, and we even kept in contact after the program was over. I ended up booking his class, which is an award they give in law school for the highest grade of that class, and here I was with all these Ivy League kids, and it was just a God thing, but in that time that I had, I, it, was, it was very interesting because the thing that I, I walked away from in, in that opportunity that I had to be under his tutelage is that, that not only was Anthony Scalia a conservative, not only was he a Christian, but he was unapologetic about voicing concern over the condition of our nation. And I realized that we are in a day when it's not enough to just be a conservative Christian. We must be courageous conservative Christians. Now our theme this year is love God, love church, and love people. And so we are going to do everything we can to be as inclusive as possible. But we cannot ever sacrifice the truth. We must speak the truth in love. When I heard that news, I wondered if he died a heartbreak. Because if you just read some of his dissenting opinions, it's not just legalese. It's literally him pouring out his soul. And then I had this flood of emotions as I sat there in that terminal in Manaus, Brazil, of thinking back and remembering and, and uh, just, you know, all the different experiences and classroom conversations and everything. And then as I sat there and I had this flood of emotions hearing that um, what I consider to be my friend, I'm sure he, you know, he doesn't even know who I am, but um, I considered him to be a friend. And, and then as I thought about it, I wondered if, if does this mean that we're even going to get worse off as a country because we've lost a strong conservative voice on the Supreme Court? And at least with Scalia, we had a voice and we had a vote that would keep us at least remotely concerned about the bedrock of biblical values and laws. But then I thought about my God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your hope and my hope has got to always be in God, not in man. 
not in man. Because it doesn't matter who's on the Supreme Court or who's in the White House. God's going to save his best stuff. Woo, hallelujah. I said God's going to save his best stuff for last. I don't know what's going to happen in this world, but I believe with all of my heart that our greatest days, ladies and gentlemen, are not behind us. They are still in front of us. The greatest revival, the latter rain, shall be greater than the former rain. And God's going to have a people. I wonder right now if you'd lift up your voice. Would you lift up your voice in your hands right now? And if you believe that word, would you affirm it right now with your prayers? In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. You can remain standing. Joel said this in the Old Testament, Old Testament, in the book that bear his name, chapter 2, beginning in verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain. Ladies and gentlemen, the latter rain is going to be even bigger because it's a combination of the latter rain and the floor. And the floors shall be full of wheat. And the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locusts had eaten. Some of you say, boy, I wish I'd have known God when I was younger because I threw away so many years. I've come to tell you that the word of God said he's going to restore even the years that the devil stole from you. Because he's saving the best for last. And the caterpillar and the palmer worm my great army which I sent among you, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dwelt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And that I am the Lord your God. And none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go into an hour where you're not going to have to live under condemnation. Or fear or being ashamed you're gonna be able to come to the house of God and lift your hands and say great is the Lord and greatly to be praised he's brought me a mighty long way and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions I can't seem to get away from that verse because there's times I wish that the 
moral decline of our environment would be stayed on a little longer because I've got twin 12-year-old boys and a six-year-old daughter. And I thought, God, if nothing else, if this slide could just be stayed a little longer so that they would have an environment that they could grow up in. But the Lord has shown me that the latter is going to be greater than the former. Ladies and gentlemen, if you raise your children in the fear of God, they are going to see greater revival than you did. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. This thing is not going to die with this generation. This thing's not going to die with this hour. But God's going to raise up an army of young people that shall prophesy. Lord, your faith in the house of God today. They're going to be used of God. They're going to speak forth the truth. At one point in his ministry, Jesus turned to the follower, his followers and said, Greater works than these shall ye do. I'm not even sure they understood that. Or maybe they didn't even believe it. But it says this in verse 29 of Joel 2, And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days. Nobody's going to be excluded. No socioeconomic barriers will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever, somebody say whosoever, shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered oh pastor but I wasn't raised in church you don't know what I've been through I'm going to just tell you what the Bible said whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord hath said and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call and Peter referred back to Joel when he was preaching in Acts chapter 2 and he said this is that that was prophesied by Joel in the last days he's saving the best for last in the last days saith God I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh he was even reaching all the way back into Isaiah where the prophet said in the 28th chapter of that book in verse 11 for with stammering lips and another tongue Will he speak to this people? Ladies and gentlemen, the latter-day miracle is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in tongues. Peter had to explain that on the day of Pentecost. These men are not drunk as ye suppose. They thought they were drunk based on their behavior. They thought they had some of that former wine. <laughs> they didn't know about the ladder the ladder wine <laughs> these men are not drunk as you suppose see and it's only the third hour of the day why 
but this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Oh, Lord, you saved the best for last. Oh, you tried to get high in this world. You tried to run from your problems in this world, and you found yourself just dealing with it over and over and over again. But if you come to the Lord and put it all in the master's hand, he's going to show you what it is to be filled filled and overflowing with his love and his power and when the Holy Ghost came Acts 2 says it suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting there appeared into them cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. That was God saving the best for last. Ladies and gentlemen, he's got the same thing for you today. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you said, I'm ready to get some of the good stuff that God has saved for last. I want you to step down to where you're standing right now, walk right down to the front of this building. Said, I've come to get my gift from God today. I'm not waiting, not one more service. I'm not waiting, not, not one more minute. Here I come, Lord. Come on, God's got the good stuff. I said, God's got the good stuff. Come on now. Don't be afraid. Just come right down to this altar and say, I'm ready to receive my miracle. I'm ready to receive my latter-day miracle. Come on, take your neighbor by the hand. Say, come on, let's go. God's going to touch you and give you a miracle right now today. Coming from all over the building. That's it. We're saying, God, we're ready right now for the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Come on down here. We're going to pray the prayer of faith in just a moment, and God's going to do a great and a mighty work. Oh, hallelujah. They're still coming. I'm going to wait till everybody gets down here. You've never received the Holy Ghost? With the evidence of speaking in tongues, just press just as close as you can to the very front. We've got altar workers that's going to come in behind you. And I believe God's going to give you a mighty outpouring right now in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're a person of faith and you believe God's got it for you today, come on, I want you to come down here right now. And I want you to stand behind one of these that are seeking for the Holy Ghost. And I want you to begin to pray the prayer of faith. The Bible said if two or three will agree together as touching any one thing, they can ask in his name and it shall be done. Are you ready? Are you ready? Amen. Just by a show of hands, who's ready to receive the Holy Ghost right now this morning? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. She's already getting the Holy Ghost right there. 10, 11. Anybody else over here? Oh, yes, this is what God intended. All right, now those of you that are down here, let me give you just 30 seconds of instructions. When you receive the Holy Ghost, it involves two things, worship and faith. If you believe that God will fill you with the Holy Ghost, and all you got to do is begin to lift your hands and your voice and to say, God, I worship you, I magnify you. And as you're worshiping him, you will begin to feel, the Bible describes it as the utterance or the unction. 
and there is a prompting in your spirit it's almost like a well like a volcano that just wants to just bubble up when you begin to feel that you just go with it whatever you say is okay it'll come up out of your mouth it may sound like baby talk don't be afraid of it let it go she's speaking right now it's your spirit that is communing with the Holy Spirit and there's a connection that takes place in the Word of God it describes it as being filled with the Spirit of God in the Old Testament the Spirit of God would move upon people but when the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts 2 they were baptized with the Holy Ghost they were filled with the Holy Ghost and when you begin to speak it out in other tongues that's being filled up to the brim that's the overflow of your spirit being saturated with the Holy Ghost so the very first thing we're gonna do is pray a prayer of repentance and then I want you to lift up your hands and I want you to begin to ask God to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost and God's gonna fill you right now with the gift of the Holy Ghost now in your own words let's pray a prayer of repentance Lord I thank you God that you're a God that loves each and every one of us you're not a God that's far off you're not on a, a distant journey you're just as close as the mention of your name and Lord I believe that you died for my sins I believe Lord that your blood was shed on Calvary so that this weight of sin this condemnation that I feel in my spirit would be lifted and I could rejoice in the power and the presence of God I'm asking you Lord right now in the name of Jesus to forgive me Lord of every sin forgive me of sins of my hands sins of my mind sins of my thoughts sins of my heart oh God whatever it would be that would not be pleasing to you Lord I'm asking you right now to cleanse me Lord wash it wash it as white as snow with the blood of Calvary Lord and you said God if we would ask you that we would be forgiven Lord so I believe that you have forgiven me Lord of every sin and I thank you for it Lord I thank you for it Lord now God I'm ready to receive your spirit I'm ready now, Lord, to receive your spirit. Now I want you to lift up your hands, those of you that are here. Lift up your hands. And I want you to begin to say, Lord, I receive your spirit. That's it, that's it. She's getting the Holy Ghost for the very first time. She's getting the Holy Ghost for the very first time. 